2013, Jane and I were privileged to uh, have a holiday in the Middle East. We went through Egypt, Jordan, and then right through into Israel. And I pray I haven't broken that plug there, but praise God anyway. Uh, we had our eyes opened on this trip as we were over in, uh, in Israel in particular. We discovered uh, how much we didn't know about God and about his Israel, his, his land. Uh, it, it's not until you actually start to look a little bit deeper, I think, into some areas, like Gina said, you know, like when she's looking at the Passover, that you start to discover how much we don't know. We don't know how much really is involved in, in those sorts of things. It's, it's really, I guess, one of the, uh, the, the, the motivations behind having Pastor Keith and Trixie Buxton with us next weekend and having the seminar on Saturday uh, for learning about uh, Israel being a land of miracles. It's a land of promise because there's so much, I believe, that is pertinent to us today and for us to understand. We want to, to equip people to understand the significance of Israel and the place that has for us today because there are things that we need to know that do affect us as the people of God. So that's one of the main motivations for us doing that. But it's also that we you know, had no idea about some aspects of the Passover. You know, I didn't know, for instance, that there are actually four cups taken at Passover. I'm thinking like, you know, we've been doing this communion thing for so many years and I'm thinking, have we done it wrong? You know, you had this sort of like doubt come up in your heart about communion. Should we be having four cups instead of one uh, in, in this stuff? And, and it's, it's, as you start to dig a little bit deeper into this, uh, the Passover, that we start to understand something. In your notes, there's a, a scripture uh, out of Luke chapter 22, verses 14 to 20, where you can actually see that at that particular meal, Jesus is mentioned as having the, the wine twice on two occasions at that meal. So we understand that there's more to this whole thing than we really do realize. And I think that it's great for us as a church to go on this journey about discovering these things a little bit deeper. In the Jewish tradition of Passover, there would have been a meal, uh, candles would have been lit, and there would have been four cups of wine set out. They'd read a particular scripture out of Exodus chapter 6 verses 6 to 7 and they would drink the cup of wine four times. And every part of that verse has a, a promise from God that he made to his people Israel and he makes those same promises to us today. And I believe that it's really important for us to start to understand what those four promises are because the, the majority of all the other promises out of the Bible flow out of these four promises that God gives to us as his people this morning. And it's always been in, in, in God's heart that these, uh, this uh, understanding of the, the, the promises of God um, are, are wanting what he's wanting for us as, as his church, as his people. And it's actually, uh, this whole series is based upon a book by Pastor Chris Hodges. Uh, you find this really amazing. The book's called Four Cups. Deep, really deep. Uh, but he's the uh, senior pastor of the Church of the Highlands in the, the south, south part of uh, the United States of America. Speaks with a very southern accent, and, uh, but just has a, a great understanding of this whole deal and just some great church leadership. It's one of the fastest growing churches in the U.S. right now. 
They have something like uh, 13 campuses are, uh, are attached to them every Sunday morning. They have multiple services. They have something like between 40 and 50,000 people uh, plus uh, that are coming out on a Sunday morning to, uh, to be a part of what they're doing there. They have live streaming into the correctional facilities right through uh, the southern part of the United States uh, of America. They have an un- online presence that is just massive and uh, just doing incredible things. You know, they uh, just doing some wonderful things. I'm just going to get right into this, okay? I'm excited. Can, you, are you going to be excited with me? you be excited with me? Just lean into this. Because I can tell you right now, I'll just get my, there's a quiver in my liver this morning. There's a, I want to start this whole idea of the promises off for us this morning. The reality that God has made us some promises. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 14 says, God's given us his very great and precious promises, so through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. There's something we need to understand that God gives us his promises for two purposes, this passage tells us. The first purpose is that we come to understand he, helped, he wants us to, to, to participate in the divine nature. That's the first purpose of the promises. There are chances that uh, many of us are not living or participating in the divine nature, but the world's nature. And we reflect more what the enemy wants for our lives than actually what God wants for our life. So we live this natural life and not a supernatural life. And God has always designed our lives to be supernatural, to participate in the divine nature, not the world's nature. Can I hear an amen this morning? So the second purpose behind God's purposes is to escape the corruption in the world. These promises are actually God's weapon that's given to us to defeat the enemy of our lives so that we can escape the corruption that's in the world. So there's this area where God gives us these promises. We use these promises as something that we can start to wage warfare against the enemy of our life. We can use it as a sword of the Spirit because that's what Hebrews calls the Word of God. The Word of God is alive. It's active. And it can defeat the enemy of our lives if we choose to take a hold of the promise and start to wield it like a weapon that God gives into our hands. Amen? Yesterday, I was out uh, praying for young uh, Emmy, who has uh, cancer in the brain. She's going to have uh, some uh, surgery later in, uh, on the 17th, I think it is, of March. She's going in to have this, this cancer removed from her brain again. And you know what? I, I just encouraged her, her parents. Uh, you know, I looked around, and it's a lovely home, beautiful home, and, and you know, uh, just uh, some things happening there. And I just felt something in my heart and my spirit about saying, you know what? How about we start to put some scriptures up. You know, what does God say about healing from his word? Get them up on the wall. Let's start to surround ourselves with what the word of God says and start to, to see his promise about healing over Emmy's life. And, and you know, that, that way we can start to surround our thought life about what God's word says rather than reverberating with what the doctors are saying over her life. Now, I'm not saying the doctors are wrong or they're just stating a fact, but the word of God is the truth about the situation and the circumstance. And we've got to have that in front of us and create that as a part of our world. 
Because I want to be meditating on what God says, not what on the doctor says. And sometimes the doctors hold such a great you know, like position of influence in our lives. And we give them that. And that's the right thing to do. But it's not at the expense of the word of God. I'll start preaching very shortly. Very shortly. Just stay. All right. So before we talk about the actual promises, I want us to learn a little bit about promises this morning. And this is the first part you're going to have to fill in in your notes. You're going to get your pen ready. So a promise. This is the definition of a promise. A promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. A promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. A promise is someone declaring what they will do for us. A promise implies something about the future. We cannot promise something about the past. You just can't do that. Chances are that we've all probably been given plenty of promises in life. Sadly, many of us may be experiencing something that someone has said to us, they've promised something to us and have failed to deliver. So far, the, the, you know, like you, you, friends, I'll always be with you. Never going to walk away. Uh, family, you know, family, family. <laughs> I love my family, praying for my family, believing for my family. Business, contracts, lawyers. You know, uh, many, many moons ago, I'm, I'm old school. Uh, you have my word on that. Your deal was done on a handshake. My word was my bond. My word was my contract. My word was my signature. Nowadays, you've got caveats, you've got liens, you've got contracts, you've got, you know, like if you don't do this, you know, it's just not how it's done anymore. You know, everything's just so complicated, you know, and that's because people want, they, they, they try to get out of they try to get out of the promise that they made. If you do this, we'll supply that, and if you supply that, we'll do this, and and the whole deal. You know, so people break their promises, even in marriage. And I don't mean to bring condemnation. Sometimes, you know, marriages have places where promises are broken, but that's the beauty of relationship. You give people enough time, and they'll make good on the promise. Oh, maybe that's a different church. <laughs> But when God gives us a promise, I want you to say, he always. Everyone say, always. Always. He always. He always fulfills it. God always fulfills his word. Maybe not in the time or the way that we want for him to do it, but he always fulfills his word. Joshua chapter 21 verse 45 says, Not one of the Lord's good promises, I love that, good promises. I don't think there's any bad ones, to be honest. But you know, his, his good promises to the house of Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 17 to 19 says, When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word. You know, it's like old school. He's shaking our hands and you got my word on this. You know, he says, uh, guaranteed his promise. He gave his word a rock solid guarantee, it says. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. 
God gives his word, God gives his promise, that's it. It's a done deal, it's signed off. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. What is? Those promises that he gives us. Reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. God gives his word. We hang on to that word as there's there's nothing else that we're going to hang on to. We're going to keep believing it, keep trusting it, keep praying it through, keep fighting with it, keep making war with the enemy. We're going to see into the very presence of God. I want to say to you this morning that if you believe that there has got to be more to life than what you're living right now, that God has got a better plan for you, if you believe that, then right now, then get ready to live. I'm telling you right now, you need to get ready to live. Sinet, you need to get ready to live because we need to know that this is because God has got a great plan for our life. He's promised it in his word. And I want to say to you and suggest to you that this church is a part of your plan for God's, uh, part of God's plan for your life. I got a bit excited. I got a bit mixed up there, but that's cool. You know, I love you. give the grace. It's great. I love it. I love it. I'm excited this morning. I'm excited. Preaching up a bit of sweat. That's good. There's three things out of those verses talking about God's promises that we need to understand. Three thoughts that we need to get our head around this morning. Number one, and you'll need to write a little bit in your notes this morning. I need to know his promises. I need to know his promises. We need to know. Everyone say that. I need to know his promises this morning. I need to know what he says to me. I need to know what God's saying to me this morning. I need to know that. I need to know that in my heart. We can't claim them. We can't fight with them. We can't do anything with them unless we know them. We need to know the promises of God. 1 Chronicles 17 verse 19 says, O Lord, for the sake of your servant and according to your will, you've done this great thing and made known all these great promises. Church, it's not a secret. God's promises are not a secret. He's not trying to play hide and seek with you. He's not trying to play, you know, those, those card games you play with the kids where it's like a memory verse. You've got all the cards face down and you've got to turn two over and then try to pair the, the pairs. Up. God's not playing that game with you. God's word is his promise. He's given us his very rich and great word. That's his promise. It's all in here. All we need to do is to find out what God says about a particular situation, a particular circumstance, and start to stand on the promise. His promises are in his word. That's why we need to know his word. We need to be in the Bible, reading his word every single day. That's why as a church, one of the, the great gifts that we gave to the church, uh, uh, the Appreciation Sunday in, uh, in December last year, was a set of bookmarks. There's a Bible reading for every single day. Yeah. Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm and a proverb. You can only just read one word or one, one verse. And I'll tell you what, God will speak to you. God will speak to us. That's why we have on our homepage of our website... There's a Bible reading plan. It's exactly the same one as the bookmarks. Wow, how did they do that? I've got no idea. It just happened. (laughs) There's a promise for every situation. 
There is a verse for every situation. If you're facing a battle this morning, you need to know 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. That's what God, you know, when we're facing the battle, when we've got lack or there's no money in the house, we need Philippians 4.19. God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If we've got fear in our heart, we need to know Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We need to get the Word of God into our heart. If we're sick, if we've got illness or an infirmity this morning, Psalm 103 verses 1 to 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Here's a couple that you might like to know about. He forgives all of your iniquities and He heals all of your diseases. Come on. That's why we need the Word of God. We need that resounding in our spirit. We need that resounding in our heart. We need that resounding in our mind so that we start to fill our world with what God's saying in our world. Jane, she sought God about what he wants to speak over our lives at strategic places. In brackets, back of toilet door, fridge door, the places that I spend a lot of time, to be honest. But we're just, there's this, this. These scriptures are written down, printed out about what we believe God is saying to us and over us and in us and through us about what he's saying from his word. Every time we go and in those places or we visit the different places, it's not just in those places, there's other places around the, the house that these things are written out. So we see that. We filled our home with God's word, God's promise. And that's the thing that we're starting because we want to know what he says. We want to know what God says for our life. It's so, so important. Number two. <clears throat> Let me just say in relation to knowing God's promises. When life doesn't make sense, hold on to the promise of God. When it just doesn't make sense, you're thinking, what? Just hang on to the promise of God. Just hold on to the promise of God. It doesn't have to make sense. All you need to do is hang on. Second thing. <clears throat> I need to understand his promises. You need to write that in your notes. I need to understand his promises. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal, church. I'm sure that at some point, some of you, Half of you, all right, three quarters. Okay, most of you. Most of us may have gotten frustrated at some time and think that God's into false advertising because God said something and it didn't happen. Come on, can we be real this morning? Am I, am I, who have to be real? Be, be, real? Numbers 23.19 says this. God's not a man, so he doesn't lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? And some of you are thinking, well, actually, yeah, I think that's true. And we've got to understand something. We need to understand his promises. Because here's, here's a verse that's not in your, in your notes this morning. You need to, to jot this, this reference down. Psalm 145. 
and verse 13 out of the New Living Translation. It says this, The Lord always keeps his promises. Psalm 145 verse 13, The Lord always keeps his promises. There's some things we need to understand about God's promises this morning. Number one is that his promises are eternal. They are unconditional. God's promises are unconditional. You need to understand that this morning. God's promises are unconditional. You also need to understand this, that God's promises are conditional. (sighs) God's promises are unconditional and God's promises are conditional. You need to understand that. That's just how it is. Get used to it. Walk in the light. That's great. See... Sometimes we need to understand that there's a premise with every promise. In other words, there's a condition placed upon some of the promises of God. And we need to make sure that we're fulfilling the conditions of the promise, the premise, before we actually appropriate the promise. Does that make sense? So the first thing that you need to understand, the three conditions that we're going to need to do is, number one, we must be living in obedience to God. Sin can hinder our relationship. Sin can hinder our relationship. You know, if, if my kids want an inheritance from Jane and I, we're doing all that we can to secure a good inheritance for our kids, for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. But it's required that they are in relationship with us for them to actually take a hold. I've got some good stuff my kids are going to want. <laughs> I've got some good stuff my kids are going to want. You know what? But they're not going to get it if they're not, they're not in relationship. You know what? Am I, is that okay? Like, it's, it's the same thing with God. We've got to be in relationship with God to access the promises of God. You okay with that? You're looking at me like, are you real? <laughs> Second thing is we've got to ask in faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. You've got to have faith. Believe that it's on his way. Some of us, though, want God to do stuff without us doing anything we just want it to land in our lap we don't have to praise we don't have to pray we don't have to do anything you know we're just gonna uh, you're just sort of like hey god i want this ferrari and there it is oh there's a ferrari on my lap it's not gonna happen like that we have to act in faith we have to respond in faith we've got to move in faith we've got to speak in faith that's why we're surrounding ourselves with the word of god because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of god Thirdly, we've got to be patient. Oh, there's that word. Oh, there's that word, patient. Have you ever, you know, like, you're in a rush to get something. This would just be me. I know none of you would ever suffer from this. You'd never have anything like this to happen to you guys. But you're in a rush. You need to get somewhere. And you know what? You're going to take the shortcut through the back way of the Adelaide Hills. And you come across a pack of 20 push bikes. And I'll tell you what, they are not single file like a normal human being would do. They don't understand the rules of the road, but they're 16,000 abreast. You know, they've just taken the whole road and the paddock too. Lucky I've got a four-wheel drive. You know, you ever seen that old advert? You know, there's this uh, guy who's driving and he's, he's getting a bit revved up and stuff like that. And also his eyes turn bright red like there's a, something happening not good on the inside. What's wrong with the way I drive? I feel like that sometimes. I'm not patient when it comes to push bikes. I ride a push bike on the road, but I don't do 16 abreast. I probably look like I'm 16 abreast, but... But there's, there's patient. We've got to be patient. You all right? 
Okay. We've got to be patient and wait for his timing. He knows exactly when he's going to fulfill every promise. We must learn to trust his judgment. Here's a good saying you need to get, okay, in your heart and your spirit this morning. Him, God, me not. Him, God, me not. Him, God, me not. Just relax. Just take a chill pill, baby. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Third thing we need to do with his promises. You okay with this this morning? I'm enjoying it. That's good. I might get to see these series myself. Number three is we need to pursue his promises. We need to pursue. You need to write that in your notes. Pursue. I love that word, pursue. I, I've been in some pursuits in my time. 180 kilometers an hour down the road on the wrong side of the road chasing bad guys. That's a former life, but praise God. So we need to pursue his promise. And that's what this series is about. That's, Danny, this is what this series is about. Pursuing the promises of God. Psalm 119 verse 140 says, Your promises have been thoroughly tested. That's why I love them so much. See, the, the problem is some of us haven't tested the promises. We decided we couldn't wait any longer. We couldn't hang on anymore. We ran out of patience and we decided to do things in our own way. Does that remind anyone of Abraham and Sarah? Man, you know, like, hello. God wants us to test his promises. It's where we learn to love them and where we learn to trust God. Psalm 119 verse 148, eight verses later, he says, I stay awake through the night thinking about your promises. You see, we're called to constantly finding and thinking about and chasing after God's promises. God's made us a lot of promises and they're all centered around the four core promises that we need to talk about this morning. God gave us these promises, first of all, to the Israelites in Egypt, but they also belong to us today. So here's the, the four promises that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks ahead. Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 to 7 says this, Therefore say to the Israelites... I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. Everyone say, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you. Everyone say, I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you. Everyone say, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you. Everyone say, I will take you as my own people and be your God. Then you'll know I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Jewish people called these the four I wills of, the, of God. They're the part of the Passover celebration and they're still in the heart of God for us today. So number one, we're going to talk about I will bring you out. Okay? God's desire is just to get you out of the bondage that you're in this morning. Before he does anything else, God wants us to experience this coming out of Egypt, as it were. So God promises me, number one, salvation. You need to write that in your notes this morning. God promises us salvation. We're, most of us here this morning would be enjoying the benefit of the promise of being saved. We've got an eternal hope that's before us. God saved us from where we were and brought us into right relationship with God the Father. Can someone say amen this morning? Salvation is not being religious. 
It's not about even joining a church. It's about when we give up control of our lives and we hand it over to Jesus to be in control of our life. It speaks about repentance. Repentance is not a bad word. It's simply us saying, you know what, I'm going to change the direction of my life. Once I was living my way, now I'm going to live God's way. It's where we hand over the control, the reins, the steering wheel of our lives to God. It's where we give, uh, or actually get our life back. And, and have a listen to this. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 to 8 out of the Message Bible. I love the Message Bible. It's just a great passage. See, listen to this. It wasn't so long ago that we uh, ourselves were stupid and stubborn. Oh, this is the Word of God. It says, Dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands. In other words, I put in brackets here where my body was calling the shots. Okay, we're going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior, stepped in, He saved us from all that. It was all His doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath and we came out of it new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with Him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come, an eternity of life, He says. You can count on this. I want you to put your foot down. Take a firm stand on these matters so that you uh, who have put their trust in God will concentrate on the essentials that are good for everyone. Aren't you glad about God being in your life? Aren't you glad you're saved this morning? Some of you need to make a decision to be saved this morning. I'll let you figure out who that is. Secondly, he says, I will free you. So we get saved, our spirit man is made perfect, but the natural man needs some work. Okay, we're out of Egypt, but we need to get Egypt out of us. That's what we're saying. Because, you know, thinking about it, you know, like you've been living as slaves for centuries. You've been building bricks, making mud bricks, being you know, whipped and beaten and, and, and hardly eaten at all and, and all this stuff. And all of a sudden you're out of that. What do we do now? How do you live? Well, you know what? God's going to take us on the journey of discovering how we should live, understanding that there's some things that we've got a part to play in getting Egypt out of us. Are you okay with this this morning? Okay, so it's like a baby. It's fully alive, but there's still a lot of growing that needs to happen. Okay? It's about uh, God, allowing God to work in us. So God promises us deliverance. You need to write that in your notes this morning. God promises us deliverance. Everyone say deliverance. See, all of us have areas that we need deliverance. Deliverance isn't for people with demons, you know, like head spinning, pea soup coming out. It's just, it's not all about that, but there's some stuff that you need to have like come out of you, you know, it's just how it is. For anyone who's still struggling with their sin nature, we need to get this stuff out. Don't feel bad about it. Don't feel bad about that. All of us, most of us would have areas where we're still struggling with the sin nature. Even the Apostle Paul, the great and magnificent, um, you know, mighty Apostle Paul. He says in Romans chapter 7 verse 25, he says this, So that I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. And then he says, Therefore, is there now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. 
In other words, Paul was in this place where he was still struggling with the sinful nature, his sinful nature and stuff like that. You know, uh, but then he realized that God can get that stuff out of him if we go on a journey and a process of doing what we need to do. We're not talking about salvation where God gets us out of Egypt. Now we're talking about deliverance where God gets Egypt out of us. Paul's saying if we still struggle with our sinful nature, we're still letting our glands lead us around the world and do what we do. If we're still hating and hating, uh, uh, being hated by people, if we're still got, walking around with this massive chip on our shoulder, then maybe, just maybe, we need to understand that God's got something better for us. God's not going to condemn us for it. Rather, what he does, he says, he's going to hold out his hand. He says, I've actually got a plan for that. Let's go on a journey together. He doesn't say, are you still struggling with that? Like, you, know, you said last Sunday when you came into church that you were going to walk away from that, but you, still, you did it again? What? You can't be serious. You did it again? God's not like that. He says, you know what? I know that you're struggling with someone. Let's go on a journey. Trust me. Put your hand in mine. Let me lead you and, and, and walk you through the process of dealing with some of this stuff. Oh, come on, church. That's worth a better amen than that. Come on. It is fantastic. I'm going to get a seat in myself. Salvation is instant. Deliverance is a process. Okay? Some of us need this promise from God, a life of freedom. Thirdly, I will redeem you. To redeem means something means to put it back to its original intent. Once we experience salvation and deliverance, that's, you know, that's how, that, how it is. Next, we need to understand that God promises us restoration. Write that in your notes this morning. God promises us restoration. <clears throat> this is where the Christian life really gets exciting. But unfortunately, too many of us never get here because we're perpetually stuck in the second promise of deliverance. We can't move forward into to, to, to doing what God wants us to do or being, uh, having that outworked in our hands, in our lives, because we're still trying to get through the stuff in the second promise. Still trying to get Egypt out of us. And we don't enter into what God wants for our lives. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 to 12, it says, It's in Christ we find out who we are and what we're living for. What a great thing now. That's a good thing right there. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had eye, His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose He's working out in everything and everyone. See, God has a plan for our life to make a difference on this earth. And some of us still need to know what that is. We don't know what that is. Well, this is the, what we're going to say that we as a church are going to really help to, people to, to walk out in their lives. It's one of the reasons that behind the scenes today, we're doing an incredible amount of work with the Infused Church Growth Track. That is going to help people not only to find salvation, not only find deliverance in life, but also in this area of restoration to find out your purpose in life as well and to help you to, to position yourself to start to live that out. That's what we're, we're doing behind the scenes. So I've got to say to you this morning, if you don't know what your purpose in life is, if you haven't discovered that this morning, then uh, stick around because I'll tell you there's good news on the way because we're going to help you to discover that. Amen? Amen. The fourth thing says, I will take you as my own people. <clears throat> I will take you as my own people. This is the final promise of God that, uh, uh, that he wants to do with our lives. See, the, the, the first three promises are about you as a person. But this fourth promise is no longer about you as a person. It's now about us as a people. 
There's a subtle but important difference in this. See, the final promise of God is to put us on a team, making a difference. That's God's ultimate goal. God's promise for us is this, fulfillment. God wants us to live a life of fulfillment, so he promises us fulfillment. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. You may have it to the full. That's God's offer to us today, to live a life of fulfillment, where we become part of a team, a body, a vision, a church, to make a difference in our world for God, together in partnership and connection and relationship with other people. We need other people. We need to be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves to reach further than we could ever do on our own. And we need that happening in our life. Each of us is on this spiritual journey no matter where we are. Whether we've been a follower of Jesus for most of our life or we've just recently invited him into our heart. And this cup, the, the, the series, the four cups, I believe is going to be one of the, the greatest impacts in our lives if we'll stay the course, continue to put into practice what God is asking us to do. See, God's made these four core, core promises to us. He's put an offer on the table, as it were. It's like he's dangling this carrot before us. You want this? Do you want salvation? Do you want deliverance? Do you want restoration? Do you want fulfillment in your life? Then let's go on a journey together, church. Let's see what God can do. Because this morning, He promises. He offers us salvation. He promises to us. He offers us this deliverance thing. He, his promise to us, his, his offer on the table is one of restoration. Coming back into the, the purpose for which I was created for. And the, finally to live a life of fulfillment. We must continue to pursue these promises for us. And I promise you this morning that if you lean into this, if you just join a connect group, even if it's just for this study, and I believe that God can get you you going. Amen? Let's stand this morning.